we arrive now to episode 16 of Down the Rabbit Hole. 16 episodes passed already. I know. Hello, Carl. Hi, Rafa. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Uh, 16 already. 16, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's flying by. Yes, and it was interesting that uh, right now we start to have a little bit more... Uh, feedback from people about yeah. like for example that one of artificial life that le- tell us to hold it a little bit more yes. so they research a bit more of it I think that was a good idea yeah it was hold, good yeah. Hold that on. But and now we had also the news passed and we come to another topic yeah. where we're going to have a binary podcast again yes and this one is the science of nudge yeah, and uh, that is a very fascinating area, isn't it's it? It's fascinating. Shall I just, really fascinating. Shall I just give the listeners a kind of a top-line mm-hmm. kind of view of what is nudge? Go ahead. Let's start then. Well, uh, nudge theory, although more generally people just call it nudge, is uh, is a concept in, um, in a number of areas, but mainly behavioral science. Mm-hmm. Economics, where it's called behavioral economics and political theory. And basically, it proposes that rather than just telling people what to do, which mm-hmm. doesn't seem to work very well, right? Um, instead of just kind of telling people what you want them to do, what you do is you nudge them in the direction you want by using positive reinforcement. Uh-huh. And so this is kind of like indirect suggestions rather than Forced. forcing compliance. And basically, by taking this approach uh, over time, and it does take time uh-huh. to have an effect, you can influence the motives and the incentives and uh, decision-making of, of, groups. of groups and individuals. And... um Basically, you kind of steer people in the direction uh-huh. you want rather than sort of trying to brute force it. You know what they say? Mm-hmm. That the best idea is the one you think you had. Exactly. So, um, not just doing something like this. This is what Makes people believe that it's actually their own idea. Yeah, yeah. Therefore, it must be okay. Exactly, because we know, obviously, <laughs> we're right, right? Yeah. Um, and this is something that really influences a lot the behavioral mm. of people. And people obviously resent being told mm-hmm. what to do. This is a way around it. And uh, uh-huh. I, I believe that this might even have something to do with uh, social psychology. Totally. And with certain uh, effects and uh, things being studied by social psychology, like... Uh, mm. Sometimes even, I think, bystanders, for example, mm. the concept of bystanding, mm. I think it has also something to do, uh, affects yeah. affects you, other people, uh, in a way of nudge, right. your reaction to be also a, become a bystander, maybe in certain situations. Yes, yes. Now, let's not forget, of course, this is the first segment or mm-hmm. episode on nudge, so we're not being too serious on this program. Well, I would not say uh, serious. Use no. the word serious. No. I'd say too scientific. Too scientific. We leave that for the second yeah. segment. Because anyway, there's a lot of uh, theories and things related to Notch that sounds like conspiracy. <laughs> but it certainly does. You, you, you certainly cannot prove 
right or wrong, if they are right or not. Um, well, whether it's a conspiracy or not. Yeah. Well, I suspect... I think, that is being used. I think it's obvious that some certain, at certain points, not has been used. Uh, of, of course, it has. I mean, um, again, as we'll see later, probably in the second program, uh-huh. um, many governments are adopting nudge as the way of, shall we say, ultimately securing compliance from their citizens uh-huh. um, but then that isn't a conspiracy really is it it's uh-huh. just government policy um, I, i think some people would call this mental manipulation uh, totally. and even maybe could have good intentions mm. at the same time you know it's used with stealth yeah. and can be deceitful and it's, maybe even used wrong it's the double-edged sword thing isn't again it? We find it this constantly. Yeah. Every kind of positive, potentially positive thing uh-huh. has a, and also a negative. And there's an example of what happened in an experiment in mm. in, in a university, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't know, a couple of decades ago. Yeah. And uh, the experiment consisted in how was working manipulation mm. over the the lecturers, the professors, because this was done by the undergraduates yes and they played a trick on on the professor on the lecturer the students on the right side of the room they were nodding and smiling and looking thoughtful while those on the on the left seemed born gloom not paying attention to what he was saying right so before (laughs) even the lecturer finished the class he was already addressing the class only to the right side of the classroom without taking in consideration the left. So the students here proved that the, yeah. they were able to influence and nudge yeah. so, somebody to make a decision to teach only half of the room. So the ones he was kind of unconsciously directing his attention towards were the ones who were showing agreement, is that the... Yeah, and the professor itself... He never noticed no. that he was being subject of this test. It is nudged. it is scary, isn't it? How how many of the things that we do occur at below our level of consciousness? Uh huh. It so is worrying. This this is when when people start to dislike nudge. Yeah. Because it's manipulation, yeah. and nobody, I don't think anybody likes to be manipulated. Not knowingly. Not the problem is that when you know that you're being manipulated. Yeah. yeah. And that's exactly what happened after with that professor. He has been manipulated and very effectively and he felt really, you know, bad about it. Abused maybe. Exactly, yeah. abused. Like he couldn't really control anymore his own actions. Right. We- and and then you start to wonder how many times even governments Yeah. have used notch against the population. And not only governments, what about... Companies. Advertising. Or advertising. Marketing, media messages, trying to get us to buy a product or think a certain way about uh-huh. somebody or something. You've just got to believe this is everywhere, right? And you were telling me, for example, that even in the UK, hmm. they formed... Uh, nudge un- unit, a nudge policy unit. Yeah, oh, that's right. The um, the uh, recent government um, 
there was a coalition before mm. um, the Conservative Party were re- returned into power. Um, when it was a coalition, the Conservatives introduced into the coalition this policy group because they wanted to use this nudge theory to see whether they could get certain messages or ideas across to the population. And they started with a nudge policy group of just five people. Uh And so successful was it perceived to be that currently the nudge policy unit in the UK has something like 150 people in it, and it may have more. Uh And And in fact, it was the UK government's um, success with it that led many other governments to start their own nudge-based policy groups, including, of course, in the US. Uh-huh, yes, and, of course. And, and many other places. Yeah. In fact, this takes us exactly uh, in the other side to the oh, yeah, US. This, yeah, this Fox News because, thing. Because, well, we all know that actually Fox News are kind of... Uh, Evil. <laughs> Yeah, we too strong a word. Yeah, too soon. Uh, I would say sided influence. Yes, and their guy, there was this guy from Fox News, Glenn Beck. Yeah, where he was insisting that uh, Nudge was being used by the government to influence uh, many of the decisions and policies being mm. implemented by Obama's. Uh, mm. Uh, policies or to convince to convince people that these were the right moves yes and there was uh beck was claiming for example uh sunstein uh which is uh he was brought to obama's uh work group about for this and he's the author of um he's the author of uh, theory of nudge isn't it exactly yeah uh which you know you start to wonder there immediately like the article says you are like, whoa, okay, this guy is the author of the Theory of Notch and yeah. all this thing, and he's brought into the cabinet to work with yeah. in the close to the White House. What could possibly well, go it, wrong, right? Yeah. yeah. So it was a very uh, funny example what says that sustain my enact policies to increase health premiums for gun owners, which would notch you into a position where you might get rid of that gun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's this plot this conspiracy saying that right now yeah. all those decisions and all these things happening mm. uh with the american government mm. uh towards uh security towards uh, freedom mm. are actually geared and manipulated or prepared mm. with notch so that people Become- consciously or thinking that it's their idea, they are doing the yeah. correct thing for the well of everybody, are become, giving up their freedom. Become compliant. Yes. Yeah. They give up their rights and uh, freedom by... By their own choice. Their own choice. Yeah. yeah. It's like sleepwalking into uh-huh. a totalitarian kind of state of being, isn't it? Yeah, completely. It takes time, but... But it's a very interesting idea. Uh-huh. Um, and I understand from this um, that this guy was sacked, this Fox reporter. He was, of course, kicked out. Because he was fired. You know that Fox is very sided. Yeah, they're very in the uh, uh-huh. whatever, whatever the influences are. And therefore, they took him out. To which, after Fox News 
said like, uh, actually, I think that guy was right. <laughs> <laughs> and they were trying to side into the same uh, theories of nudge and then being of, used. And then, of course, if Fox News could be using nudge themselves, of course. Thanks. Actually, I do believe that even Fox sometimes have nudge the influence with their news and the way they present yeah. news. Yeah. And there's a very interesting way that uh, not only Fox, but other news stations yeah, media. do this media, mm. which is, first of all, they debate mm. the, the for subject, example, the subject mm. then they present the news to mm. the people, mm. also based on yeah. the previous Uh, so uh, discussion. Yeah. Therefore, they are already manipulating yeah. the news and the way people, people should take and consider it, it and yeah. perceive it. Yeah. To which, after that, you they report another extra show where they will discuss the news that you were discussing announces first. Yes. Therefore, the amount of distortion that the news arrives until you know the viewer yeah. and after several shows is complete completely manipulated and of course you could imagine that you could do that kind of thing as a media channel like fox say for example uh -huh. and then test the audience with surveys to see whether you can actually detect a change in attitude exactly or and actually uh, let's say that conspiracy theory says that it's not only fox news it's practically any uh, news agency or TV station in any country. It's any, it's any mass... Particularly channels that have a 24-hour news role every day. Right. Yeah, be uh, because they can work on it constantly. Well, they work on that a lot, yeah. Subtly bending uh -huh. people's ideas. And obviously it's, it is any activity that involves kind of shall we say mass participation so uh -huh. you would have you would have to include marketing and advertising in this wouldn't you yeah the, and the big you know the big madison avenue advertising oh, that's companies very, yeah. must as i've said to you um m marketing uh, and advertising is the um Socially acceptable phase yeah. of propaganda, right? Yes. It's propaganda in a three-button suit. Uh-huh. And uh, in this report, Fox News also mentioned a case also in the UK, like you were saying, this yeah. uh, group, saying that they implemented several uh, initiatives, and one of them was that the UK government sent out reminder letters mm. to late taxpayers. Yeah. And all this was and led to the increased tax revenue. It's true, because I had one of those letters. Uh -huh, there we go. We have proof <laughs> And I just, I just sent them my uh, credit card in the post and said, take what you want. Take all the money from Take me. whatever you like. I'm, I'm cool with it. <laughs> yeah, so we are increasingly seeing this kind of um, um, behaviour from governments because it's kind of like a... It's kind of like a lowest energy kind uh -huh. of expenditure way of changing people's opinions and whereas just kind of ordering people it just really doesn't work does it people resent being told what to do uh -huh. whereas you can manipulate them for as long as you like uh -huh. and get them to literally do anything <laughs> Using this kind of uh, stuff. And actually, we were reading uh, some fragments uh, mm. of one of the books of uh, 
Well, in fact, there is there's a whole other area which is, um, uh-huh. and he's mentioned here, um, Thaler, Richard Thaler. Uh-huh. Um, I'm particularly interested in in this guy because uh-huh. he is regarded as the father of behavioural economics, uh-huh. and he wrote a book called. Um, um, behaving badly, something like that, or misbehaving, something misbehaving. like that. And it was about behavioural economics and how um, people can be influenced to, for example, um, take out pensions, private pensions, mm-hmm. by again reinforcing positive behaviour. And um, he gave an example in his book... Uh, also, there's a, a fragment of this book that uh, is very interesting because it says something like, nudging is an attractive strategy. People are faced with choices all the time, from products to pensions, from vacations to boating, from requests for charity to ordering meals in a restaurant. And many of these choices have to be made quickly mm. or life would be overwhelming. For most cases, the sensible thing is not to agonize, but to use a rule of thumb. A heuristic uh, is that technical term to make the decision quickly. Mm. So, and like, they put some examples. Yeah. If, if ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Choose a round number. Always order the special. Yeah. These are like, the party line. These are like shortcuts, right? Those are lines that can influence somebody's decision. Yeah. Shortcut behavior. Uh-huh. Yes, very interesting. But it's just endless how this can be applied to... Everyday behaviors and uh-huh. um, it's scary stuff, actually. Like we said now, all those are examples of everyday life mm. stuff. Mm. And the fact that we could get actually influenced without noticing it by advertisers, by companies, by governments, <laughs> is when things start to get scary. Where are we going that we actually don't know? Well, I was actually reading something the other day about uh, consciousness uh-huh. and... Um, I think it was an article in um, New Scientist, I think. And it was saying in this article that um, it's beginning to be more understood now that consciousness, that is behaviour behavior that we're actually aware of, is actually only quite a small percentage of our actual awareness. Mm-hmm. And that a lot of decisions that we make are actually being made at, at an unconscious level and kind of bubble up into the conscious. And Mm -hmm. that, um, for example, it has been shown, and this is totally a kind of proven thing, that when we decide to pick something up, like a cup or whatever, um, it can be shown that the actual decision, the start of the brain activity to pick the cup up, actually lags behind our conscious awareness of that mm-hmm. thought by about half a second. So there are actually decisions, the stuff going on. <laughs> somehow yeah. there are decisions being made somewhere uh-huh. and are, we're not consciously aware of them until afterwards. And it's kind of like you've got an, a feeling that all this stuff is addressing that unconscious mm-hmm. aspect of our yeah. Awareness. And there was another relationship that we were talking about with paternalism. Mm. 
Um, Another dirty word. Right? Yes, and actually in his book he also mentions that nudging is paternalistic, mm. but it's surely a very mild version of paternalism. <laughs> it's about means, not ends. Yeah. We don't try to nudge people toward a better view of, of the good life. With compulsory library cards, for example, or PBS always come up when you turn on your TV. Mm. And it is mild too because you can always opt out of a nudge. Mm. Which actually, that's interesting because yeah. I'm not really sure. Uh, you first of all, you need to be conscious that you're being nudged exactly to be able to opt out exactly. And this is actually the hard part. <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of more like not that you can opt out of a nudge, but that nudging doesn't always work with everybody all of the time. No, so the compliance at any moment is probably a percentage of. What uh-huh. you actually want to achieve. But also, like you mentioned before, uh, this takes time. Yeah. It's not something that will happen in a moment immediately. No. Like by force, forcing somebody to mm. just respect a certain decision. Yeah. The, Over the time. Well, the analogy is a bit like um, changing the direction of an oil tanker, right? Uh-huh. If you have an oil tanker full of oil, you have <laughs> trouble changing. You can turn the steering wheel, but it barely starts to curve over several miles. Yeah. And I think nudging is like that, that you can imagine that you can start a campaign of nudge to get people to do a certain thing, maybe take out a pension or life insurance or something like that, and that you can constantly test and survey the public to see if the nudge is working and, of course, modify the nudge uh-huh. based on that feedback. And potentially certain groups in society will react more than other groups, maybe mm-hmm. socioeconomic factors. And, and then yes. you alter the nudge to then address the other layers in society. That is also related to social psychology. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah. Anyway, maybe well, we should have a look at some mm-hmm. movies or books, yeah. do you think? Yeah, we should. Uh, in fact, we have uh, this very first movie. Mm. Uh, and then we go to the to the books. Let's start with the movies. So we have Sound of My Voice yeah. from 2011. Which I didn't see this one. I also haven't seen this one, but having read it, I would like to see it. Uh-huh. And it was actually released at Sundance, you know, the uh, film festival um, in 2011, 2011, as you say. And the story generally is a couple of documentary makers want to infiltrate a uh, cult. And at the centre of the cult is a, is a woman who claims to be from the future now. Of course, we love this stuff, right? Of course. <laughs> um, and basically what these documentary makers want to do is infiltrate and try and figure out what the heck's going on. Uh, they believe that she's brainwashing her followers um, and they want to get to the bottom of... Um, what is the truth, right? Uh-huh. And the problem is that uh, the more time they spend in the cult, the relationship between the two documentary makers becomes severely stressed. And uh-huh. um, at some point in the movie, they um, become conflicted with each other about whether maybe this woman is telling the truth or not. Uh-huh. But she is from the future. And in fact, I read elsewhere, she's claiming she's from 2054. Yeah, which, she claims which, she's from the future yeah, and so on. So, uh, and the conflict is that. Yeah. One of them still says that this is a hoax. Yeah. 
and the movie ends in a very kind of um, uh, open-ended way. So it, I believe the director has actually said that this movie is the first of a uh, trilogy. Uh-huh. And uh, there are, are enough loose threads at the end of this movie uh, for that to happen. I, like you, had never heard of this movie. I would actually like to see it now that I've uh-huh. read about it. And if you have uh, seen, seen the movie, tell us how was it. Yeah. Tell us, maybe write down some review. Tell yeah. us, yes, it's worth watching. It is not worth watching. Well, I read a number of reviews and they were consistently saying it was it's an excellent uh, film. That's nice. Low budget. Uh-huh. Great storyline. Great acting. Great script. So, mm-hmm. Sounds pretty good. So what, and what about the next one? Next one. Uh, these There are two versions. There the are. Manchurian Candidate. Yeah, the good one and the yeah. bad one. <laughs> Based on the 1959 uh, book on the same name. Mm. And we have, like you said, 1962 and 2004. 1962 was the Frank Sinatra. He Which in, I have not one. seen, is but it? you told me that is fantastic. It is. It's very good. Uh, a former prisoner of war is brainwashed and is uh, unwitting assassin for international communist conspiracy. Yeah, that old chestnut. Right? Yeah. So in the new one, of course, we have Denzel Washington, and it's a completely different storyline, isn't it's, it? It's uh, yeah because he's a candidate for being um, either president or mm-hmm. he's being groomed to be to the be president, the, isn't uh-huh, he? Uh-huh. And I think. Yeah, and he's you know one of those returning soldiers from the front. Having, yeah, he was a soldier. Yeah. yeah, and what what they're getting at in the in the movie and the book is that somehow they were brainwashed, brainwashed when they were in captivity in the Korean War, almost like they're like sleeper agents in a way. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they committed actually acts of murder. Exactly, and they were brainwashed to not perceive them as that yes and this guy uh shaw raymond uh-huh. shaw in the book and the movie he keeps having these dreams where he kind of gets flickering memories of being brainwashed and so on and so forth uh-huh. yes. as i say the 1962 movie obviously i saw it i was there right? <laughs> um, you were an extra in the movie actually i was only seven at the time. <laughs> let's not get carried away right uh <laughs> I have to say that was an excellent movie, and and the the um, two thousand and four one with Denzel Washington, unfortunately, is not very good. But uh-huh. well, we will see. Yeah. Also, we wait for your opinion about exactly. that. Exactly, we'd love to hear from people. Which version right? you like more, sixty two, or yeah, the new one, or let's say recent two thousand and four one? We will nudge you in the right direction before <laughs> the end of the program. <laughs> We'll you you a, are already nudging us we'll, to watch that. <laughs> and the last movie, I, actually, uh-huh. when I was when I was actually looking for movies on this kind of general area, there are, there are actually less movies than you actually think. Um, uh-huh. There are there are there are several, but a lot of them are not very good. But here's one that I think a lot of people have not seen, which is called They Live. And it is a um, the director is a carpenter. What's he called? Um, what's his first name? Um, um, James Carpenter is it? Mm-hmm. The director. Mm-hmm. Anyway, nineteen eighty eight movie. John, John Carpenter. John Carpenter. That's it. Anyway, so nineteen eighty eight movies. Pretty low budget. Um, 
typical carpenter type setup, but the storyline is very interesting in that, in a way, it's a kind of a social commentary on corporate greed, um, manipulation. It's right up the nudge thing. Uh-huh. And, and it's basically, I'll give you the very brief social plot, uh, the plot, sorry, which is that the Earth has been invaded by this alien species um, in collaboration with some a group of humans. They effectively brainwashed the entire population of the planet uh-huh. and uh, generally speaking, people have no idea what's going on. In comes our protagonist hero, who's a drifter, and he comes across or finds a finds. pair of what appear to be a pair of sunglasses. And he's walking down the street fairly early on in the movie, and he's seeing people very packed, like, you know, a big city full of people coming backwards and forwards. He's walking walking down the street, and there's there are billboards advertising products, so on and so forth. And it's a sunny day, and he puts the sunglasses on. As soon as he puts the sunglasses on, he suddenly realises, like, every kind of fifth person isn't human. <laughs> but nobody seems to notice. Uh-huh. And he kind of takes the glasses off, kind and of puts them back on again. Normal. <laughs> yeah. and, and then he puts the glasses on, and then he starts looking, he notices that the billboards that once, with the glasses off, are advertising cigarettes or something like that, with the uh, sunglasses on, it says... Um, obey the government, or another one will say, worship money. And then he takes the glasses off and it's just an advertisement for a TV programme. or a, uh-huh. And anyway, it's about how he digs into what the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll not spoil it for you, but um, he um, gets into significant trouble, uh-huh. shall we say. And actually, let's say that this is the, the last movie mm. that we would recommend today, but... This will lead me mm. to uh, another theory about if we are being nudged about it or not. There you go. But it, uh, it's not for us to discuss right now because it's a more large subject. But do you think... Is, <laughs> I this, rarely This think. is for uh, uh, people also to write your, their opinions. Do you think governments are nudging us with sci-fi movies... For, with sci-fi movies... <laughs> about the existence of uh, extraterrestrial life already in Earth that, that and maybe try to carry on uh, preparing, preparing people for the moment a real encounter happens. Uh, are you asking me? Uh, you and... Well, let's mm. say that, uh, like I said, this will be a longer discussion yes. if we start also with this one. If anybody's got any But if you have them? thoughts on it, mm. why don't you start to write now your comments because we might have another show only yes and the question all these. and the question to ask yourself is if you do have thoughts on it are they your own thoughts or they have been influenced <laughs> yeah okay and then let's move okay. to the books let's move to the books because we have a, a classic brave new world absolute classic Aldous Huxley 1932 mm. And set in London. Set in London. It's actually, this is an astonishing book, actually, and I've read it a number of times. Um, it was published in 1932, uh, uh-huh. but it's set in 2540. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so no guesses here that it's a science fiction book, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but basically in 2540, we have a different kind of society and it's called the world state. And um, there are all kinds of um, anticipated developments uh, in this book that really didn't exist at the time. Uh, psychological manipulation and conditioning, sleep learning, uh, sleep learning, and uh, reproductive technologies. I mm-hmm. mean, this was 1932, right? None of this stuff existed, <laughs> yeah. and yet this guy imagined Aldous Huxley. He imagined an entire world based on these things, mm-hmm. and basically, if you read this book, you will find, I think, you will find many parallels with society today. So Uh in the world state, um, there is a benevolent dictatorship headed by uh, what are called the world controllers. There are ten. There are ten of them, kind of regional, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, basically, these world controllers have established this global society, which is stable, and the population size is totally controlled. It's like one out, one in kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the basis of the stability is conditioning of the citizens. So, uh, and this is achieved by three main areas of activity. One is discouragement of critical thinking. Is yeah. anybody getting it yet? Mm-hmm. Right. Number two is discouragement of individual actions and initiatives. And and the third one is abundance of material, material goods. goods. Now, doesn't that sound like anywhere you like live? Like a modern world. <laughs> does, does that sound like somewhere where you might be living right now? And this was thought in 1932. 19... But this reflects our actual yeah. existence right now. And, the, and the, obviously, this is a... It is, largely uh, regarded as in the top 100 greatest novels of all time. Mm-hmm. And it generally is always in the top 100 list. And if you haven't read it, I would seriously encourage you. And I think you might actually be able to get it for free online somewhere. Could um, be. It, I think it may well be free to get. Okay. Yeah, because of the year. Yeah, because of the totally recommended. And there is actually a movie um Based on, based the, on that. And that is all, it's black and white. Totally worth seeing. Mm-hmm. And then we have another classic. Absolutely. I mean, I think everybody has read uh, George Orwell. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this case, we have the 1984 book. Yeah. Which was actually published in 1949. That's and right. it's so interesting because the novel is set in uh, Earthship One. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because it was formerly known as Great Britain. <laughs> That's right. A province of the super state of uh, Oceania. Oceania yeah. And a world of perpetual war. Yeah. And it's... <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a lot of manipulation there. Yeah. It's really a lot of... Uh, uh, the, uh, how is it called this... Uh, Big Brother. Big bro- well, Big Brother is the... In fact, this book... This is... Uh, this is where these words came from. Came from, exactly. If, if you actually look at um, ah. the 
the words and phrases that have crept into the language. Yes, it's Big Brother, Double, double Thing, Thought Crime, Newspeak, Room 101, Telescreen, 2 plus, 2 plus 2 equals 5, Memory Hole. These are words, uh-huh. not all of them, but a number of these words we all know, right? Yes. And yet, many people won't have read this book. And, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, of course, the other uh, adjective uh, that comes out of this book is uh-huh. Orwellian. Orwellian. Which means any kind of situation where there appears to be manipulation or authoritarian or totalitarian. Well, because he describes it so well, he the does. way it operates. He does. Deception, secret surveillance, manipulation. Because if you've seen, uh, read the book or seen the movie, then... You'll know, for example, that, and this actually did occur in society. I think it was, it's a bit of a meme that uh-huh. occurred actually in society at one point, which was in 1984, the Big Brother, uh-huh. uh, they had television in the, because yeah. television existed at this time in its infancy. But in Big Brother, uh, in sorry, in 1984, um, Big Brother was observing and surveilling the population uh-huh. through their televisions. Yes. So so the television was had a camera in uh-huh. the top. Now, I don't know whether you know of a similar technology today where you have Laptops. a screen with a camera <laughs> on the front. Laptops, tablets, phones. And then you think about um, government agencies that allegedly yeah. can not only access your phone and turn the microphone on and turn the camera on, they can yeah. do the same thing with a laptop. For example, right now I have a tablet and a laptop in front of me. Yeah. Hey! Yay. Hello. Hello. Hello, big Hello. brother, right? Yeah. So We're talking about you. Again, 1948, this guy wrote this visionary book. Visionary, that, yeah. That if you read this book or see the original film, it is creepy <laughs> it is. how familiar what he's talking about is. So, there we go. And uh, check the show notes. Yeah. We have links to those books. And we're going to add, for example, also Richard uh, Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. So, check them out. Check out the movies, the links. Yeah. Leave us your comments. And... Next week, the next show, yeah, we are going to have special guests. Special guests to can discuss. be one, can be two. We yeah. are still discussing how many will come, hmm. but we will have special guests here. Yeah, and we are going to enter through the science of notch more properly down the properly, rabbit hole. Down yes, and uh, about talking about marketing, advertising, and what you said is the modern version of propaganda or uh, subliminal messaging and stuff. Brand, brand, branding. Positioning, yeah. Blah, blah, all that stuff. Uh It will be interesting. It will be very interesting to have them discuss this thing with us. Hmm. So, thank you, Carl. See you next week. Thank you, Rafa. I will see you next week. My name is Rafael Ruiz, and we will talk to you next time down the rabbit hole. All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Darkmind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved. 
Dark Mind Radio 2016.